think about the topic that we've been discussing over the last several weeks, this idea of spiritual practices and disciplines in our lives that help us in our journey. The series has been titled Journey, How to Walk with God. Probably one of the things you might not expect or you might expect would be one of those disciplines or healthy habits of the Christian life is the idea of rest, Sabbath. Maybe some of you have been waiting for this message. Yes, rest is something you really long for. We're gonna talk about that today. You can open your Bibles to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, we'll be looking there in several references in uh, the wonderful gospel of Mark. I was um, reading about sleep and rest and relaxation and vacations and came across a story of how in Spain for uh, just centuries there was a tradition of the siesta, uh, the rest or the nap so that shops and businesses would close in the early afternoon and people would take a rest, even a nap, and uh, then they'd pick back up and continue forward with businesses and shops opening up again. But in the last several decades, the Spanish economy has tried to keep up with the economy of Europe and the United States and the global markets. And so a lot of Spanish companies as well as international companies have kind of squashed out the concept of the siesta. But there are some in Spain trying to bring it back and to note that there are statistics. And we know of these statistics that when there are seasons and rhythms of rest in our lives, we're more productive. And so this one nonprofit decided to draw attention to the need to bring the siesta back to the Spanish culture by hosting siesta competitions. <laughs> siesta competitions. They would have various rounds of these at different malls and outdoor plazas and, and people would qualify and get into the semifinals and into the finals. And so people would take a 20 minute nap while others were also taking the nap and judges would judge them on how fast they fell asleep, how long they slept, how loudly they snored. Uh, there were all kinds of criteria and they'd make it through these various rounds. And I, I loved the winner of one of these years, the image of this guy, he won. Doesn't he look like he should win the siesta competition? Now there is something to be said for rest. I, I had a bunch of statistics I was gonna share with you, these statistics about how um, you know, if you don't get rest, what happens if we don't take vacations, if we don't take breaks, that we need these things. But I think we know the reality of that. Today we're going to talk about how to rest like Jesus. How to rest like Jesus. We're going to be looking at the spiritual practice of Sabbath. The concept of rest or Sabbath was first established in creation before the sin of Adam and Eve. Rest is something that God himself reflects and as his image bearers, we are to reflect in our lives. In Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, after God had created all of the universe, including uh, Adam and Eve, according to the creation account there in Genesis, we read this in Genesis two. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because of it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested on the Sabbath day. He then would command in the 10 commandments given to Moses that his people, his children, take seriously the seventh day of the week as a day of rest, a day of reflection, a day of worship. It's the only one of the 10 commandments not repeated in the New Testament, but the principle is there. Even as worship would shift from that seventh day to the first day of the week, aligning with the resurrection in the early church, they lived out the patterns of rest and Sabbath 
in their lives. And we see this in the life of Jesus. We see that as Jesus lived and experienced life here on earth and he communed with his Father, that rest and reflection and relaxation and taking a break, taking time off, was a key part of the life of Christ. Now, as we've talked about these spiritual practices or habits that are part of our lives, we've talked about things like community and worship and confession and Bible engagement and prayer and service. And now we come to this spiritual practice of Sabbath or rest. Spiritual practices, we've defined them this way, intentional behaviors, habits, or disciplines that help us walk with God and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Rest, as a regular rhythm of our lives, helps us be in a place and posture where God can transform us and make us more like Jesus. Here's what the practice of Sabbath is. It's taking time intentionally and regularly to pause, to consider our God, and to refocus our lives. Part of it is just to stop. And then to just consider God in terms of what we've gone through, what we're going through. And then to refocus as we pick up from the pause and we continue on. Taking time intentionally and regularly to pause, to consider our God, and to refocus our lives. I want to read a few accounts that reference Jesus getting away in solitude, spending time alone, praying or resting. And the Gospel of Mark captures these more than any of the four Gospels. The four different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us four lenses on the same life of Christ. But they each have a little different emphasis in what they're looking at. And for Mark, he, he looks at Jesus as the Son of Man. He's looking a lot at how Jesus lived out his life in human flesh. And so it's no surprise that Mark records more references to Jesus resting or sleeping or getting away by himself than any of the others. In Mark 135, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Or if you have a, a smartphone with you, go to a Bible app. But Mark 135, we read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus took the time to be alone, to commune with his father, to get away from others. Mark 4, 36 to 41, if you just turn a few chapters forward, Mark 4 and verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind, then immediately the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here we see the humanity of Christ, the divinity of Christ blended together as a human being after ministering and serving and teaching in the previous chapters that Mark gives us, we see Jesus taking time to sleep, to rest in the boat. As a matter of fact, if you read verse 38 again, it says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. When you put your, when you put your head on the pillow tonight, you will be living and loving like Jesus. <laughs> he was in the stern of the boat sleeping on a cushion. And yet he got up and could say, Quiet, be still, and the wind and the waves obeyed him. Mark uh, 6 and verses 30 to 34, 
They had just gotten word, Jesus and the apostles, that John the Baptist had been beheaded and um, that he would be a martyr for the kingdom and the cause. And they've been out ministering the apostles and they come back to Jesus. And we read in Mark 6 and verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Notice he's being intentional about coming apart to a quiet place, get some rest, get something to eat. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran out on foot from all the towns and got their head of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. In this situation, they've just heard bad news and they're worn and they're weary and Jesus says, come, let's, let's get away. And so they get in the boat and they begin to cross the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is more like a lake. You can see from one side to the other really easily. And so as they see a boat leaving, they see it's Jesus in the boat, the people on the shore, and they want to hear more messages and see more healings. And so they follow the boat around and where they're going to get away from people, the people show up in a crowd, but Jesus is moved with compassion for them. And he continues to minister to them. While we need regular rhythms of rest, we have to be careful to lock in to kind of legalistic patterns, as we'll see the Pharisees shove on Jesus. See, we talk about rest and energy and work. There are two extremes we can fall into. You can be lazy and be a poor steward of time. The scriptures tell us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Laziness is not Christ-likeness. But the other thing can be busyness where we're running our children from one thing to the next thing. We, we work all around the clock. We, we just work so hard and there's just so much activity. Busyness is not Christ-likeness. But notice that in the life of Jesus, he gets away to a, a place of solitude to be still, to commune with his Father. He sleeps, he rests, he encourages others to rest, but he's also going to flex that rest as the needs of people arise. He's not going to become legalistic about it. That's why I would suggest you to be careful about judging others or, or putting rigid routines on yourself that are impossible to keep, but to set up intentional, regular space and time for rest in your life. In Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, here we have the story of Jesus being accused of sinning on the Sabbath. He and his disciples are walking on the Sabbath and they come along the edges of some fields and they take some grain, they eat, get a meal from that. And by the way, that was a custom taught in the Old Testament law that farmers would leave the fringes of the field so that those who were traveling could eat from them, those fields. Uh, there were no rest areas or you know, no McDonald's at the next exit kind of thing. And so God built in a hospitality within the people of God, within the nation of Israel. And so that's what Jesus and the disciples are doing. They're, they're eating their meal for the day. And the Old Testament didn't forbid them to eat a meal, but the Pharisees come along, as we see in Mark 2 and verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, and he get, tells them a story of the Old Testament. He says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread. He entered the tabernacle and he ate the bread that was only to be eaten, as it says here, which is lawful only for priests to eat. 
And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and for the Sabbath. I'm not sure if, am I cutting out or is that just me? I am cutting out a little bit. Um, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, when we become legalistic about rhythms of rest in our life, or we impose those expectations on others, we're making ourselves servants and slaves to the master of rest or the Sabbath. And the Pharisees had taken the Sabbath laws of the Old Testament and added all kinds of regulations. They even had some regulations as to uh, what you could do or not do on the Sabbath, and you could lift your arm up to the height of your shoulder, but you couldn't lift it any higher, or now you're sinning. That's what Jesus is addressing. He's saying, look, we're just eating. We're just getting a meal. We're not even out there harvesting as, as a harvester might do during the day. This is just it's eating. And then he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He said, I'm Lord of all things and even the Sabbath. In the life of Jesus, you see this healthy balance of understanding the need for rest and sleep, while at the same time not allowing any legalistic rigidity to, to lock him in. We need to have that same approach to rest. Maybe you're here today and you're a little weary and worn. Maybe you're a caregiver of someone. Maybe you have someone in your family who's sick or you have, uh, have some things going on at work that's just taking your time and you, you're just, you feel like you're on a, on a hamster wheel and your tongue is hanging out and you're just tired and worn. I want you to hear the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of us are born, the scriptures say, with a condemnation hovering over us that we don't measure up to God. And there's nothing we can do to remove that. And we feel the weight and burden of that in our guilt and our shame. But Jesus came, he died, was buried and rose again, so that would be removed. And we could have that burden of our condemnation removed. And when we have that eternal burden between us and God removed, then we can begin to find rest in Christ and to come to him when we're worn out in our day. Maybe you're here, though, and you haven't come to that place where you know that that burden of the condemnation of your sin has been removed in Jesus. Just tell God you're a sinner and accept that Jesus died for you, and God will remove that. I'll be on the patio after the service. If you want to share with me that today's the day you put your faith in Christ, to ask him to remove the condemnation and judgment of your sin, and you put your faith in Jesus. You can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen. If you're here in the room, you can do that. If you're joining us online, you can just text the name Jesus to that number. We've got some resources we're gonna send you to help you walk with Christ and to find space for rest and to enjoy your relationship with Jesus even in this area. And someone on our team will follow up with you. But before you can really experience rest in the daily rhythms of life, you have to know that the eternal burden of your condemnation has been removed. So that you can say, as Paul does in Romans 8.1, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what will some of the outcomes be if we develop healthy rhythms of rest? What would those outcomes look like? Number one, we'd have relief from our work. Relief from our work. We need a break in the day. We need days off. We need vacations. We need a rest from our work, from our toil. Some of you may be like me. Most of you perhaps are like me that a lot of your work is more mental and it can have a physical toll, but it's more mental and emotional. I come from a home that was a blue-collar home, and my dad's work was very physical. He worked in a foundry for over 40 years and dealt with... Uh, uh, melting iron, uh, iron and uh, 
and made parts for like caterpillar and things and did that it was a lot of a lot of heavy labor it was intensive physically today's my dad's 77th birthday and in case he's watching happy birthday dad um, he's 77, but uh, in many ways, his body's a lot older because of all those years of physical labor and hard work in a factory, in a foundry. But we get relief from our work when we have rest. Then secondly, we reflect on what has been accomplished. I think that's part of what God did on that seventh day. You see, God didn't need relief in the same way we do. He, on the day he rested, it wasn't because his energy was depleted or he needed to rebuild his power no, but part of what happened was that he, he looked at what he had created. You remember? And he said, after all of creation, this is good, very good. There is a satisfaction when we pause from our work to see what we've been doing and reflect on what has been accomplished. Thirdly, and it links to this, we rejoice in how God has used us. We rejoice in how God has used us. Even what my dad did in a factory impacted others and helped with the common good in our society. Well, what we do as human beings, ultimately, whether we're making products or widgets or we're serving people, ultimately it helps the common good. And it's, it's good to see that God gave us the strength. God gave us the education. God gave us the experience. And so we can celebrate what God has done in using us. Fourthly, the fourth outcome of a healthy rhythm of rest is renew, we renew our commitment to advance the kingdom of God. We renew our commitment to advance the kingdom of God. When we take a break, we take a day off, we get a vacation, we take a day of rest during the week, somehow, either on a Saturday or Sunday, we kind of refocus and refresh. We not only look back at what's been accomplished and take a deep breath and get restored and rejuvenated physically, emotionally, and mentally, but we also say, okay, now as I, as I move into work again, as I start this week, as we worship on a Sunday, it gives us an opportunity to say, how am I going to live and love like Jesus at work? How am I going to live and love like Jesus with the kids this week? How am I going to live out his kingdom and his values? That's a big part of rest and taking a pause in our lives. See, the bottom line is this. God wired us so that good things come out of good rest. I can share with you all kinds of statistics that would support that. I can share with you sad statistics of low productivity of those who do not rest. You see, bad things come out of bad rest or lack of rest. You think of various characters of scripture. Jesus, before he launched his public ministry, spent 40 days alone in the wilderness, fasting and praying and, and getting his heart in tune with the Father before he launched his ministry. David, even though he didn't choose to be there at first, was in the cave of Absalom, was there for months and spent special, uh, precious time with God so that at the end of that time, he would say, oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. You can look at characters in the Old Testament, the New Testament, who took time to pause, to rest, to reflect. I was uh, joking with my wife last night, and I said, you know, I can come up with a lot of men who rested and took breaks in the Bible, but I'm struggling to come up with some women. Would you... Um, could you think of some? And she said, no, they were doing all the work while the men were resting. <laughs> God bless the folks at the nine o'clock because I said that as a joke and several gave me lists of ladies who rested in the scriptures out of uh, on notes after the service. So let me tell you, people like Esther and Rahab and Mary, the mother of Jesus, there are plenty of women who rested and were then uh, launched into a good season of service for God. Um, 
that joke kind of left it hanging, and I think some ladies thought, hey, they're good women who know how to rest well, too. My wife likes to say, when she'll fall asleep like this, and I'll say, man, we just, you kissed me goodnight, and you were asleep like that last night. And she said, I am good. I am a professional sleeper. I can do this. <laughs> but God has wired us so that good things come out of good rest. So what will it look like? If we look at the examples of Jesus just in the passages we looked at, and there are others that we could have looked at, when we rest like Jesus, what would be true of us? Well, first of all, when we rest like Jesus, we carve out time to rest. Even though we don't want to be legalistic, you still have to plan and set aside time and space for rest. You can't burn the candle at both ends and then think that, that you're going to gain greater success. Burnout is a bad thing. You have to carve out time to rest. Secondly, when we rest like Jesus, we make space for solitude. Part of rest is just being alone. We read in Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Notice this isn't just one occasion. This is a practice in the life of Jesus. Rest, solitude. Thirdly, we need to tune out the noisy world if we're gonna rest like Jesus. I think there's a place for worship music even in our time of rest, but I would even say take a few minutes of just silence and quiet, and as we sang a few moments ago, just be still and know that he is God. But we live in a noisy world. Sometimes we can't hear from God, or we don't sense God's peace in our lives, or we don't sense the satisfaction of his spirit because things are so noisy, we're distracted. Tune out the noisy world, turn off the TV, turn off the noise around you. Find a quiet place outside or in your home that could be a regular place of solitude and rest. Tune out the noisy world. Fourth, pause to sit and breathe. Sit and breathe. Don't just fill it, oh, I've got space here, I'm gonna fill it with something else. There are other good things we need to be doing, exercise, etc. but we also need just space to sit and breathe. Psalm 46.10, as we sang, says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I like how the verse continues that. It's not, be still and dream me up to be the God you want to dream me up to be. We're not being still to make up the God we want. We, we're being still to know the God. Who is this God? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the God who is above all and all the noise and chaos of our lives. We need to pause and be still and breathe and know that he is God. That's healthy. That's good. Fifth, when we rest like Jesus, we linger in the presence of God. We linger in the presence of God. Sometimes I'll just pause and sit. Open my Bible maybe, pray a little bit, maybe something to just stir my heart to think about God or an attribute of who God is, and I just sit, linger. Allow God to be God and allow you to know that you are not God, that you need him, that he's there for you, you're his child. Luke 6, 12 says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus would pray the night before his crucifixion. He'd say to his disciples, you pray over here. I'm gonna pray over here. I need some time alone. We need to linger in the presence of God. Sometimes that's praying. Sometimes it's reading scripture. But sometimes it's just being there. 
Letting the scripture we've read saturate us. Letting the prayers we've exhaled to him to, to just lift from our hearts and to lift the burden as we cast our care upon him. When we rest like Jesus 6, we serve others with renewed energy. We serve others with renewed energy. When we get a respite, when we, we get a vacation, we get a break, we, we get a day off, we get some time to ourselves to relax and rejuvenate, to relax and rejuvenate with our families, with our spouses, and we get some time like that, it, it renews us and gives us new energy to then serve others. We have a fresh wind for, for God to be able to use us in the gifting that he has given to us. So when we rest like Jesus, we carve out time to rest. We make space for solitude, we tune out the noisy world, we pause to sit and breathe, we linger in the presence of God, and we serve others with renewed energy. But I'm going to tell you, what we've talked about so far is not easy. Some of you know it because of the pace of your schedule, the pace of your family. Some of us need to make some choices in our families, in our personal life, to slow down and cut some things out to create margin for rest and for Sabbath. It's not easy. You know, when I, I preach each week to you, I work on these things, you know, for, for hours and studying the scripture and praying and looking for things and writing outlines and rewriting outlines. And, and all that time, God is working on me on these subjects throughout the week. And so I always feel bad that you only get like 45 minutes and I have all week on this that he's working on me. But this week, I traveled to Nashville. Several of us on our team went to a child discipleship conference. Pastor Jeremy Haynes went with me. And um, uh, Stephen Millage, who is our elementary director, went with me. Connor Johnson, who serves as our middle school pastor, we went. And then a number of our children's ministry team, all of our children's ministry team that didn't go, uh, joined online this conference. And so we're gone a couple days. And we had a long day Thursday, great conference, great dinner. Uh, after that, these young guys convinced me, let's go hit some golf balls. And we went to this thing called Top Golf, and we had a good time. And, and I still knew, and I, you know, all week I'm thinking, I need to rest and get good sleep if I'm going to teach this. And, you know, I know God. And get back to the hotel, and I get to the hotel, and it's about midnight. I'm fine with that. I'm going to get my good sleep before we go to the second day of the conference. And, and I was just turning in a few final things for the, the message this weekend that our team needed for visuals and stuff. And so um, I go to my door and I had a little digital key on my phone with my Hilton app and uh, go to open the door and it won't work. It says, try again, try again, try again. But it doesn't have a red light. Sometimes they light up, you know, green, red, yellow. There are no lights whatsoever on this thing. I thought, oh. The digital key isn't working. Went down to the front desk. The lady gave me a key. I went, tried to unlock it. It wouldn't work. Went back down, got another key. Ended up with three different keys. None of them worked. And when I went down again, I mean, there's now nobody really, except for this night manager in the building. And a guy's walking the door. And she calls his name, brings him back. And she says, um, glad we caught him. This is our, our maintenance guy. And he's going home for the night. And uh, he'll, he'll be able to get you in. He'll recharge. The, must be the lock has gotten, its battery has died. And we'll just recharge it real quick. And it only takes a few minutes and we'll get you in. So he comes up and he puts the thing. He goes, oh, hmm, this is odd. I said, what's odd? He said, it's not taking a charge at all. So I can't get it to open. He tried all kinds of things. He said, well, I've tried everything I know. I'm going to have to call my boss, but he might be in bed. And he doesn't always answer the phone. And so he said, well, what, what, what happens if you can't get me into my hotel room? I've been gone since like 7.45 this morning. It's been like 18 hours since I left. And he said, well, don't worry. If we can't get you in, we'll give you another room. I said, but you don't understand. Everything other than what I have in this little bag here 
and I'm wearing is in there. And he said, yeah, well, we're going to have to probably wait till my boss gets here later in the morning and be able to get you into your room. And, and he said, but I'm going to try. And so he worked and worked. And finally, after an hour, he used like a coat hanger thing. He slid up under the door and grabbed the handle from the outside and pulled down. But he worked on catching that thing for almost an hour. And finally, he got me in, thankfully. And I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I need rest. And you're trying to show me how important rest is. I can't get to the bed. I want to rest in. And uh, so I get in there and I'm thinking, oh, I took, just sort of exhaled and thought, okay, now I can this, this will all work out. So I had put a couple bottles of water in the little mini fridge I had there. And so I got one out to get a good drink of water now. And I went like this and the thing was pure ice. Not a drop would come out of there. And I just looked up at the Lord and I said, I know I'm talking on rest and relaxation. And Lord, you're just messing with me now. And I finally fell asleep around two, two in the morning and about 2.30, there's a knock on the door. I go to the door and it's the head maintenance guy who had finally somehow woken up and saw the message from the other guy. But the other guy hadn't told him he fixed it and went home and wasn't responding to his messages. So that guy thought he should come and see if the door would unlock and if I was in the room or not. So he woke me up and said, does your door work? I said, yes. He said, all right, have a good night. <laughs> and as I'm getting back in bed, I'm saying, okay, Lord, rest is not easy, but we know rest is not easy, right? It's not just locks that don't work on hotel room doors. We know from the pace of our lives that it's hard to carve out space. But it's so important because God has wired us that for, with reality that good things come out of good rest. And if we don't get the proper rest he's wired us to get, we will not mentally, emotionally, and physically be all that we can be for Christ and his kingdom to live in love like Jesus in our world today. Let me give you a few next steps. One, take 30 minutes each day this week to stop and rest. Try to carve out some time. Carve out some time. Secondly, listen to a rest and reflection worship playlist. I mentioned you want to cut down the noise, but for me, sometimes 15 to 20 minutes of just being quiet before the Lord, maybe engaging with scripture, him in scripture or a little prayer, and then again, some more silence, and then just to play a few worship songs. We've put together a reflective worship playlist uh, that we'll share with you in just a moment. But listen and, and to a rest and re re reflection worship list. Thirdly, reshape one day a week to be a day of rest and relaxation. Try to find a day where you at least say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to fill it with other stuff. This, this Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, pull out a, a day or the majority of a day where you just say, we're going to make that our Sabbath, that time of rest and relaxation. And some of you may be saying, you don't know the pace of my life. You don't know how I'm a caregiver for elderly parents or a child with a, a disability or I've got this issue or that issue. And some of you, I know you're like me where you, you, you don't clock in and clock out. You kind of wear your responsibility because of oh, whatever your level of leadership or responsibility is. And, and uh, if, if, you're, if you just say, I, my tongue is hanging out and I feel like I'm on the hamster's wheel and I just can't find any space for rest, would you reach out to us and we'll try to do what we can to help you find respite and rest. The resources for these things, including that worship playlist I mentioned, are at calvarywestlake.org walk and look for the the logo there, the, the graphic that says Sabbath, because you can see the next steps for the other practices we've talked about. Hannah Snoots, a couple of years ago, went through a really rough patch. Um, her marriage ended in divorce. She'd been involved in serving the Lord and singing and music ministry for years. As her marriage came to an end, she was left as a single mom and uh, 
She had two daughters with special needs. And uh, she got an opportunity to come to a ministry at Calvary that's designed to give people respite. Our buddy break is designed monthly where volunteers come and folks with children with disability can bring their children and the siblings of those children and they'll be here for several hours. And then our special needs ministry, our special abilities ministry will will take care of them and uh, those parents can have a respite to go take a nap, whatever they need to do. And Hannah showed up for that, and God began to give her rest. And then she talks about uh, being able to go up on Sundays and, and sit way up top and just sort of absorb and rest and breathe after what she was going through. And this video tells her story of finding rest and how then God gave her an opportunity to serve afresh. She's now the assistant director of our special needs ministry. But watch the story of Hannah and her daughters. So I have two girls. Angelina is my oldest. Emma is the youngest. And they both have a anomaly on their 22nd chromosome. When Emma was born, it was right away we knew something was wrong. She needs me to do everything for her, feed her, change her. Angelina is my little bundle of exuberance. <laughs> I love you, mother. She is outgoing. She socially just wants to talk to everybody, but it is also very, very challenging. She's on the autism spectrum. She has severe ADHD. She has OCD. At the end of 2016, had major life change, went through a divorce, and left the ministry that I had been in for almost 20 years. Someone had sent me the email for Buddy Break, which I'd never heard of. We attended our first buddy break just around that time. I was floored by how organized, efficient, and first class it, it was, and, and I was nervous. And as soon as we walked through the door, Gina walked up to us, I'd never met her before, and said, are you the Snoots family? And I'm thinking, how in the world did she know who I was in the middle of probably 100 people standing in the lobby? And so I was, I was hooked. After going through major life changes and coming here every Sunday and not having to worry when I dropped my children off, I walked up those steps to room 2110 and I felt celebrated, I felt accepted, cared for. I felt like they actually wanted us here. And I could go sit in the service and I sat up in the balcony for a couple of years just by myself healing and just getting to not have to do anything because I've been in the ministry since I was a little girl. I was raised in church. My mother was the music director at our church, so I was always on stage. I was always leading. I was always singing. But to come and be able to just sit by myself up in the balcony, a lot of precious moments happened for me up there. And so that's kind of how and why I started attending. I started working a couple of years ago in the spa industry and I had gotten laid off and it was around the time that, that they were looking to fill the position of Associate Director of Special Abilities and she approached me and at first I was a little hesitant thinking this is the life I'm around it all the time, don't know if I want to do this <laughs> full time and then go home and deal with the difficulties that parents face and everything. But what was so beautiful to me was when this opportunity at Calvary was presented to me by Gina, it was like, hello, God saying hello. Like, this is, this is your purpose. Because when I am al allowed or given the opportunity to bring strength to another mom in my shoes or a dad even, it's when I feel the strongest. I have bad days. There are a lot of bad moments and really hard, difficult times. 
but I rise to the occasion when I feel like I could be a strength and a blessing to another family going through the same thing. It's giving me strength. I don't believe that God gave me children with a disability. I know in those moments where I'm pulling my hair out and my daughter is so frustrated that she doesn't know to do anything but to hit and kick and, and you know, God wouldn't want that on anyone, just like with any suffering. I don't believe that. I believe we live in a, in a fallen world, but God can bring so, something really beautiful and powerful out of whatever situation you're, you've been given or you've been dealt. I wanna find those moms and those dads who feel hopeless and who feel lost and who feel like they, they wanna give up. I've been there. I know that feeling. I know what suicide thoughts are. I understand that. And I wanna find those people and let them know yeah, it is possible to find joy, to have peace that only God can give. What a story. God wired us, God wired us so the good things come out of good rest. And as Hannah got some rest from what was going on in her life and some respite, and many of you who work in that ministry were a big part of that for her, as that happened, uh, God allowed her to begin to serve again and to serve families uh, affected by disability as her family had been. And she even began to sing again. And we've been blessed by her singing. She couldn't join us this weekend uh, here on the stage because uh, Pastor Gina Spivey, who oversees our special needs ministry, is away on, on an anniversary weekend with her husband, Dennis. And so Hannah's leading the special needs this weekend in our services and uh, during our services. And so she couldn't join us. But there's a song she sang last year that uh, we have by video that I think speaks volumes of how good things come out of good rest. Watch this video. Worship you, so I throw. 
on my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Oh, come on my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me Lift up your song God wired us, God wired us so the good things come out of good rest. Boy, that song is a good thing. Her voice and her ministry and our lives and our church family is a good thing. Would you stand with me? Maybe you say, well, <laughs> you mean if I get some rest, I'll join a church staff and sing a song in a worship service? That's not what I'm saying. For Hannah, that was a part of her story. But for us, if we get the rest we need to get, it might be that we'll be more patient with our kids, and that's a good thing. If we get some rest, we might have a kinder word for a neighbor, and that's a good thing. If we get some rest, we might be able to help a coworker going through some dark times, and that's a good thing. But God has wired us for rest. And if we're gonna live in love like Jesus, we need to learn to rest like Jesus so that we can be as vibrant and effective and spreading his kingdom as we possibly can. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Hannah's story. And we pray for Emma and Angelina. We pray for her daughters. We pray that they would know your love through their mother, that that whole family would know your love through this church family. And Father, I don't know what it is that people are caught on, whether it's the hamster wheel of work or maybe family activities or a lot of times, Lord, we're busy with good things. It's not bad things that overwhelm us. And yet we need to carve out that time to be alone, to rest, to pause, to consider you, to refocus our lives. I pray for those who need to do that, that they would 
take those steps today. And Father, for those who maybe can't figure out how to do that, may they reach out to us. May we have opportunities to minister their needs and come alongside them. Thank you, Father, that in Jesus you've removed the ultimate burden of that condemnation of sin and that because Jesus is alive, every day for us is a glorious day because of the glorious day that he came from that grave. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing this song, Glorious Day, and it speaks of how the burden ultimately has been lifted because Jesus conquered the grave.